Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to this class in the A New Thing series for the Watford and Thames Valley Churches of Christ, the beginning of 2024, and we're on to our third biblical character, seeing what new thing God did in them and what we can learn. And the, today we're looking at the fascinating character of Rahab, based in Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6. Now, why? Why have we picked Rahab? Well, think about this. She's the first non-Israelite mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, the Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, mentioned there in Matthew. I don't know about you, but if you're going to be mentioned in the Bible, can it get any better than being mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus? I, I don't think so. Indeed, there are several quite unlikely people in that list, but we'll have to come back to that another time. And in fact, there are several reasons you could argue why she should not be in that list. But I would say they're also the same reasons why she is in that list. And we're going to look at some of those issues here today to see what we can learn about faith in, in the way that God does a new thing in somebody. First, though, a quick review of what happens in Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6. We cannot cover everything in this short class. I would encourage you to read the whole of Joshua chapter 2 and perhaps Joshua chapter 6 as well for background. But I'll simply summarize for our purposes today. Two spies go into, into Jericho and they enter the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Some dispute about whether she was an innkeeper, a prostitute or both or whatever. But nonetheless, there's something I would suggest at least a little bit shady because the word for prostitute is used in the Greek in the New Testament referring to her. Anyway, they go into her house and the king is told some of these spies have come. So he sends the message to Rahab, bring them out. And they've come to spy on the whole land. But the woman who had taken the two men and hidden them, she said, well, yes, the men came, but I don't know where they came from. And they left again. So go after them and catch them. She's hidden them on the roof. They, they, they go out to try and catch them, but of course they can't. The spies lay down for the night, verse 8. She goes out to the roof and she says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. I've done a bit more in detail on those, on those words there, those phrases in the Daily Devotional podcast. You might want to go back to those. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, uh, what you did to Sihon and Og, kings of the Amorites. When we heard our hearts melted in fear, everyone's courage failed because of you. The Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now swear to the Lord that you'll show kindness to me and my family, spare our lives, save us from death. They say our lives for your lives. We, uh, if you don't say you know, what you're doing, then you'll be safe. And she lets them down by a rope through the window in verse 15. Uh, she lived in a house part of the city wall. She said, go to the hills, hide there for three days and then go on your way. And they tell her, this, this oath you made a swear will not be binding unless you tie the scarlet cord on your window and let it down. And then you will be uh, safe. And she agrees and they go and she ties the scarlet cord in her window and it hangs down the outside wall of the city. And these, because uh, the, the armies pursuing these two men don't catch them and then in joshua chapter six we have the situation where uh, jericho is besieged by the israelites and they march around and they go in 
to the city and they're instructed that as they go in, everything is to be devoted to the Lord. Chapter 6, verse 17, only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. And then again in verse 22, we see that happening. The two men go into the house. They bring her out in accordance with the oath to her. Verse 22, the young men had done the spying, did that. They bring out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Joshua, verse 25, spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men. Joshua had sent a spies to Jericho and she lives among the Israelites to this day. So much we could talk about here, but let's see what a few things we can pull out and let me know what you think about this. So firstly, so let, let's think about this. Why, why has Rahab's story made it into scripture and why is she in the genealogy of Jesus and why is she one of the great heroes of the faith, Hebrews 11 and elsewhere in the New Testament? Well, firstly, let's think about this. The new thing, the new thing that's happening here is a Gentile is being brought into the family of God. She's a Gentile. And God's desire has always been for everyone to know him, not just the Israelites, the children of Abraham by physical birth, but also the, the Gentiles. I mean, God did say to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 3, all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. All the families, not just your family and those who will come from you, but all the other families. In Isaiah 56, and verses 6 to 7, God talks about the, the foreigners, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, that love the Lord and are his servants who keep his Sabbath, don't profane it, hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain. He's saying, I'm going to draw them to me. I'm going to make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. This is foreigners. This is non-Israelites. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And what does that remind you of? It reminds you of the same thing it reminds me of in Luke 19 verse 46, where Jesus says about the temple in his day, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer and pr prayer for all nations is the unspoken extra bit there from Isaiah. And he says to the people of his day, you've made it a den of robbers. You're excluding the Gentiles. You're excluding the people that God wanted to draw. She, uh, Rahab as a Gentile is a significant thing here. It shows very early on in the history of Israel, as they come into the promised land, that they are meant to draw in the foreigner. Of course, the Apostle Paul recognized the significance of the arrival of the Messiah, which is going to make this inclusion of the Gentiles really possible globally for the first time. He quotes Isaiah in Romans 15 verse 12. Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come. The one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. He sees that as a prophecy about Jesus as Messiah. So what's happening with Rahab here? Rahab prefigures the hope that all modern day Gentiles have, that by faith, we are included in the people of God. Wonderful example of somebody having faith when she has limited knowledge of Yahweh. Second thing we see is that she is a woman. She's a woman given a very high profile in a patriarchal society and situation in that part of the world. And she's profiled, surely, to, to make a point. She is portrayed here as a 
protector. Now, primarily in the Old Testament, in that culture, it was the men who were charged to be the protectors of their people, their families and their nations. But women are often also portrayed as protectors, not as often as the men. Of course, you'd understand that, but it's significant when it is that way around because it shows that God sees women in this way too. You may remember the story of Abigail, who protects her husband and the men of her household from a violent death at the hand of hands of David in 1 Samuel 25. Rahab here is protecting the male spies. Esther, later, protects her people, the Jews, from being massacred, Exodus chapter, uh, Esther chapter 2 and following. We see that they are protectors. And Rahab is one of two heroines in a window heading off danger. Uh, Rahab and Michal, uh, the, uh, the uh, wife of King David. Uh, and indeed, they're interesting because they're societal opposites. We've got Michal, the, effectively the queen or queen designate, and Rahab, who's an innkeeper or prostitute. In Joshua chapter 2, she lets the spies down through a window in verse 15. And in 1 Samuel 19 verse 12, Michal let David down through the window. He fled and escaped. An interesting parallel there. So she's a Gentile, she's a protector, and she's also a woman of dignity. Think about the courageous women in the Old Testament. Think about the courageous life of Sarah. Think about the faith of Rahab here. Think about the commitment of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. Think about the devotion of Ruth in the book of Ruth. Or again, going back to Abigail, her gentle but firm rebuke of David, which we see in 1 Samuel 25. What about the humble faith of the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17? The Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4? The risk-taking faith of Esther we mentioned before. These are extraordinarily brave uh, women of dignity, holding on to their dignity and having a tremendous impact despite the limitations of their culture, their society, their situation. And it reminds us that women have equal dignity to men. Jesus shows us that par excellence. He treats women with dignity at a time when often they were not treated that way. In other words, as equals. Think about Mary, who sits at his feet to be taught by him as a disciple in Luke 10, verse 39. Rahab is prefiguring all of this. She's prefiguring the what would be effectively the promise of the Spirit that would help all people to see and believe that men and women are equal before God. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, the prophet, the Spirit's going to come to all flesh, sons and daughters shall prophesy. Don't see much of that in the Old Testament, now and again one or two, but not much. But now it's going to be men and women, sons and daughters. Young men will see visions, old men shall dream dreams. Slaves, both men and women. I'll pour out my spirit, they shall prophesy. So Rahab prefigures what's coming in our era that all have a place in the, the, the purposes of God and are equal. Finally, there's something going on here around hosting. You know how Jesus went into people's homes and caused problems for his hosts when he brought in sinners and tax collectors or perhaps they came in and he didn't get rid of them? Well, Rahab's creating problems for herself here by hosting the spies, the people of God. She's been hosting other men too, it appears, before this. But now it's the turn of the spies, the people of God. It's like a beachhead of the kingdom. It's like there's a temple being formed in her home now. It's becoming a place of faith and salvation where before it was a place of confusion and sin. So there's something going on here as a kind of parallel or reversing parallel of what Jesus later does in like in Mark chapter 2 when he goes to Levi's house 
and he's eating with tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees don't like it. Or when the woman comes into his uh, with a with a bad reputation, comes in and wets his uh, feet with her hair and, and the Pharisees and people like that, they are not impressed. There's something going on around hosting. Rahab is a brave host, like Jesus becomes a brave host, bringing people in so that people could be saved, could encounter God, could find a new thing, life, a new life, life to the full. So to wrap all this up, what does Rahab learn? I think she learns a number of things. Firstly, she learns that God cares about the Gentiles, those far from him. She learns that God keeps his promises because in Joshua chapter 6, she and her family are saved. So there's a salvation learning message here. She learns that God is powerful, bringing down the walls of Jericho, bringing in a new regime, changing everything. Uh, much more powerful than any earthly power, of course. She learns that God is full of grace. No matter what others think of her, God is there for her. No matter perhaps even what she thinks of herself, God is there for her, offering her grace. So what might you and I learn from this wonderful story? Well, perhaps we should learn the importance of honoring the marginalized. If God does it and Jesus does it, so should we. God wants the marginalized in his family. Perhaps also we should learn that not to look down on sinners, so to speak, but to seek to show them the love of God. Maybe we might also learn that no human barrier can stop anyone from becoming a God follower. And perhaps also we might learn to have vision for those who are apparently furthest from God. You know, her decision to have faith in God took her and her whole family on a, uh, on a new counter-cultural journey into uncharted territory. Amanda Kano, who prepared some of the background material for the sermons, and thank you for this sermon on Rahab, or the lessons on Rahab. Thank you very much, Amanda. She said this, I really like this quote, a quote from Amanda. She said, it must have been an interesting period for Rahab's extended family, all squashed into her house like a mini ark on the edge of a terrorized city waiting for the unknown. Really well put, Amanda. I wonder, is God taking you and or your congregation into the unknown so as to do a new thing? So here are some questions for reflection and discussion. Firstly, who do you personally know that is as far from God as it is possible to be? What would it take for you to pray for their salvation and believe it to be possible? Perhaps you can help each other with this in your group discussion. And then also, what will help you to remain faithful and confident in God despite the uncertainties of the new thing that God is doing in your life or in your congregation's life? I wonder what you think about that. Drop me a line at the email address on the screen there and let me know what you think. We'll go on to look at another biblical character next week. I hope you find this useful. The truth is, God is willing to do a new thing if we're willing to let him do that in us. And if we do, maybe we'll see the kind of salvation that Rahab did. Maybe we'll see the kind of miracles that Rahab did. Maybe, maybe we'll come to know him in, in, in as powerful a way as she did. Till the next time, take care and God bless.